Audible Originals presents DJ Drama's Gangsta Grills Podcast. The following contains language and content some may find offensive. I think people who fixate on objective top fives are fucking lame. Like, I'd rather hear people talk about the shit they like and love and their favorites instead of who's the best based on numbers or hit like who gives a fuck? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, <laughs> gangsters and bitches. Oh God. Hip hop historians. Oh my asshole just went in. <laughs> oh man. Welcome to the DJ Drama Gangster Grizzles Podcast. Yay. Um, yours truly DJ Drama. I'm sitting here with a phenomenal gentleman, uh, a one of one, a hip hop almanac in his own right, really just a music almanac in his own right. Um, someone who should be and deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore when it comes to the greatest of all time. But we'll get into that later. Tyler, the creator, is sitting adjacent to me. Is this, a, this is called adjacent? Yeah, right? our dicks are pointing at each it's, other. It's adjacent, right? Yeah. I feel it. I switched it up just for you. I you know what I mean? Like, so we could, you know, get, get our banter going. Damn, you took all your chains off. No, they were hurting. That was real rapperish of you, just like while I was doing an intro, like, you know. You hear the chains yeah, in the background. The it's cool. Like, I think it's cute. It was, I think it'll be nice. I hope y'all don't try to edit and clean it up. No, we have to keep that. That's, you know. It, it hurts. It's very rapperish. They're very heavy. What made you wear all of them today and then take them off? I don't wear them much. And I thought the album that I made to listen to when I'm wearing them it would only be right doing it here with you. It was definitely a, a album of a rapper who wears a lot of chains and is very braggadocious. Uh-huh. But let's not start there. Let's go back a little bit. 2010, you put out a tweet that said, I want a gangster grill so fucking bad. Uh-huh. I think you must have put that tweet out before we met. The first time we met was your show, Our Future Show was in Atlanta. And I came to the show that night. You uh, shouted me out to the crowd and was like, you know, one day, hopefully this guy like yells and screams on my project. But <laughs> what, just you never even asked back then. I just know when I'm ready for something and not. And I wasn't at the point in my life where I was able to talk the shit I wanted to talk on that rap project. Mm. Like call me if you get lost to gears to get to because... Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't there yet during Goblin. Like, mm-hmm. I'm still talking about fucking hot dogs and, like, edgy shit. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't there. But I knew, oh, in a few years, I'm going to get to that point where I could put my dedication to out, you know? What's your earliest memories of Gangsta Grills mixtapes? Probably 05. If I'm not, if I'm, hopefully I'm not getting the date wrong. 05. You're very good with dates. When the Trapper Die thing came out with Jeezy. Yeah. <laughs> January 25th. Um, a lot of the older guys in my neighborhood was playing it. And 2002, 2003, I was heavy into what Who Kid and 50 Cent and all those guys was doing. No one has used mixtapes to reach mainstream success better than 50 Cent. Before dropping his nine times platinum debut album, Get Rich or Die Trying, 50 made a name for himself with mixtapes, creating feuds, 
building viral buzz, and establishing his authenticity through grit storytelling. From the bootleg of his Scrap Columbia Records album, Power of the Dollar, in 2000, to a series of solo and G-Unit mixtapes with DJ Who Kid, 50 put all of New York on notice. And like the Green Lantern uh, Invasion series with the whole Shady record stuff. Mm-hmm. Really into that, because it's like, you know, I'm 11 at the time, so I'm like, what the fuck is this stuff? What is this? This mm-hmm. isn't on the album. This isn't on Eminem show. This mm-hmm. is it. And then you start learning about Who Kid, and you start learning about Flex mm-hmm. and all these things. That's that mixtape thing wasn't super prominent in Los Angeles. Yeah, I was gonna ask you how you were getting them too. So again, you know, 2005, I'm 13, turning 14. Gigi Trapper, like I mean, the the mixtape, whatever, mm-hmm. um, that's being played around, and then Wayne is starting his like super crazy run, mm-hmm. and then Dedication come out come across that and then I think Pharrell's album was supposed to come out like November 05 and then I just start learning more about that whole scene and hearing a man screaming and records getting cut and starting over and these terrible mp3s became so normalized in how we listen to music I just want to dive in a little more on Pharrell because this nigga was a dork. Yeah, like just so everyone understands, this nigga was like Kumbaya with like Black Thought and Quest Love mm-hmm. early on in Philly. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get it twisted. This nigga was Far definitely, definitely like love native tongues. <laughs> like, absolutely <laughs> for real. The Native Tongues was a hip hop collective active in the late '80s and early '90s. While other artists rapped about the streets, getting money and being players, the Native Tongues focused on positive, conscious, Afrocentric lyrics. The collective consisted of acts like A Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, and Queen Latifah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but could potentially there not be a Call Me If You Get Lost if there wasn't a Pharrell in my mind, the prequel? In a sense, kind of, yes. P was such a North Star for a lot of us where I grew up. I'm from Hawthorne, California, and that place, like, as much as I'm happy I grew up there, like, it's gross. Like, the niggas that sell drugs don't even buy a nice Gucci belt or get a haircut. <laughs> like, it's just gross. And it has its parts and its size. And because of that, depending on how you move, like, you could get a whole different cultures and stuff. You could be on the Del Air side with a white kid's skate park and they showing you fucking Led Zeppelin and the hives and things like that. Mm-hmm. Or you could be like the Linux side where you can't really go because like the, 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 a lot of racial stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. Where I grew up, like I'm, I was over there off of Cranbrook and El Segundo, 125th. But what you get over there is like, sometimes you weren't really able to express yourself if it didn't, if it didn't mirror mm-hmm. what the norm over mm-hmm. there was. Mm-hmm. And me being into fucking block party and the hives, what they were doing, you couldn't express that everywhere. So P being a North Star, when he put Gangsta Grills out and it was his version mirroring that side of rap that I loved, mm-hmm. it felt like we can drive this also mm-hmm. and be into this and do this. Like, damn. And it and it made sense because the guys that I grew up around you know, people who love Gangsta Grilled, Big White Tees, this and that. And when, when P did that, that gave us, uh, I don't want to sound like fucking Twitter, but it was representation. Mm-hmm. And it was, oh, I mean, oh, it was so great. Such a good fucking time. It was. And then two, I think I said this at my Portland show. I was like, as much as I love 
in my mind, a prequel, whatever. Man, if I was a nigga in the 90s, I definitely probably would have been from Native Tongues. Mm. And feel like I would have taken the same trajectory that Tip did, where... Like the vibe they, thing. He did his album. thing, and then he was like, you know mm-hmm. what, man? I want to flex. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, y'all, I'm not even going to lie. Mm-hmm. I'm making some good money. Mm-hmm. I'm buying awesome cars. I'm fucking the prettiest women mm-hmm. ever. I'm getting to travel and really live this amazing life, and I'm having a good time. And that's the real blueprint for something like Call Me to Get Lost to exist because it allows those guys that's a bit of left of center to also be like, nah, like, don't get it twisted. Like, this is what we really on. But I'm like, that's the guy that sings beneath Applebaum. Yeah. Oh, this is, he's making these hard-hitting club records. Oh, it's no rules. You got to think, like, like Eminem was my favorite rapper as a kid. And this is a white guy in a predominantly black thing killing it. So a lot of things that I seen growing up kind of was me saying, oh, wait, it's no rules. This isn't supposed to happen or be right. You could do anything you want. Speaking of doing it anything you want, Tyler came up in a group called Our Future Wolfgang, Kill Em All. And like their name suggests, they follow no rules. They were from LA, but not part of gang culture. They rapped, but they were almost more punk rock than hip hop. The group's given us Tyler, Earl Sweatshirt, Frank Ocean, and more. But they weren't exactly embraced to start. One performance changed that. Okay, February 2011 was when you guys did Fallon. Quest Love describes it as a very coming out moment for you and our future. In the 2009, I put my first album out, Bastard, and it was so much rebellion and fucking resentment towards a lot of the music outlets that wouldn't post what we were doing, which I thought was interesting at least. Mm. Whether it's good or bad, it was interesting. Why do they only post these artists from Los Angeles? Da, da, da. So I grew resentment, man. I'm like, you know, fuck it. I'm going to just make a Tumblr. I'm going to run this like it's a label. Y'all got me. Just trust me with all the art and all the release date here. You do this. We're going to put Earl out in February. Yo, Mel Hype, we're going to do this. Mike G, we're going to do this. Damo, fuck. Oh, you in college. So fuck it. We'll punch your shit. Put August, we're going to do this. Let's go over these beats. Let's shoot some little terrible videos. And um, dude, by the grace of God, people at Fallon was like, yeah, we want them on there. And I'm like... Do you see this art in these videos and hear these lyrics? But we got on there. So we we get to New York and we backstage and I see Quest Love and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like, oh shit, we here. And it's like, yeah, you can kind of do whatever you want, whatever. So I'm like, yo, let's do this and just have some lady in black just looking all sketchy and like just scare everyone. I don't want to be good or bad. Let's just do our thing and just that. And people loved it loved it. We it was me and Haji, I remember we was in the hotel room with everyone just waiting for it to come on and we couldn't believe we were on TV. Like we didn't even have bus money and we were on TV. Like it made no sense. Mm-hmm. And um everything from that moment just took off. Like that. Nothing's been the same since. So Jay-Z had already known who you were. Did you know that at the time? No, I didn't know Jay knew of me. The only person that I've spoken to till then was P. What was the first conversation with Hove? Uh, that nigga invited us to one of his LA homes and we just ate tacos. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> honestly, don't remember much, mm-hmm. but the house had a little bridge. We walk over some water and we ate some tacos and 
uh, he wanted to sign us. I was like, man, you're cool. I was like, no. Oh, he wanted to sign y'all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like him, Puff. It was crazy. A lot of people were just interested and was like, yo, let's try to do something. Da, da, da. Mm. But like, I'm like, I don't know. Nah. And I had like Kelly and Clancy. It was like, they need to. It's like, nah. Da, da. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I just want creative control and then mm. do everything. That's tough because a lot of people in those positions would have taken that, especially with guys of that oh. stature. Oh, easy. But it's like, nah, I love your work. I love everyone. Y'all, everyone's cool, but y'all, I don't think you guys have what I have and uh, could help me get to what I truly want, uh-huh. not what we think we're supposed to have as musicians or artists or the shiny plane. Like, I don't want that. Like right now I just want to sit on Photoshop and make this stuff and make these weird beats. And then I'll get there. You can find like, tweets. I'm you, like, I'm gonna get Grammys. I'm gonna do this. There, there, there's the, I remember that one. Like so much stuff. Like I'm, I'm multiple choice with how my life turned out. Cause half of me is like super duper blessed and grateful. And I'm like, Oh, this shit really happened and worked. Mm-hmm. Like this is rare. But also I'm like, oh, I told people when I was 13 years old, like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Motherfuckers look at you like you crazy. Like, we just playing freeze tag, bro. And I'm like, yeah, no, I know, but I'm going to do this and I'm going to do all of this and da, da, da. And when it happens, I'm like, yeah. I told but you. I'm super blessed and grateful and like, oh. I feel like when people talk about the Mount Rushmore and the names come up, Drake, Kendrick Cole, unfairly, your name is not in the conversation like it should be. Do you agree or disagree? I think people who fixate on objective top fives are fucking lame. Like, I'd rather hear people talk about the shit they like and love and their favorites instead of who's the best based on numbers or hit like who gives a fuck? Like, mm. people really be arguing, like, mm. how dare you not put so-and-so on of all time? Like, what if you just told me who your personal favorites were mm-hmm. and the shit you like? And then explain it, and maybe you'll put me on to some new shit instead of us sitting here arguing about, like, like that's crazy. You care about another nigga's top five list when you're <laughs> on your way to work. Like, go get a fucking hobby. <laughs> it, it, it truly blows my mind. Oh, how dare you not put... Pony Tony on top five. He killing niggas. You heard his verse on so-and-so. He rapped from the perspective of a hot dog. Like, oh, but what's your favorite song on that album? I don't really, I don't know. I don't really listen right. to that album. So what albums do you listen to? Mm-hmm. But people aren't selfish enough to like, hey, this is what I like. Check this out. This is what I learned about it. This is how I grew from this. This is when I heard it. Like, that shit is crazy. I think everyone should have their own personal Rushmore Mm -hmm. of things that they heard when they were 7, 14, 28, 40 that Mm -hmm. changed their life, that makes them feel a certain way, that that's their personal favorite shit. So none of that even fuels you in a way to go like and say, I'm I'm, like, I'm going to fuck these niggas up. Well, I just want to be respected as like super duper talented. Yeah. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, I'm good at what I do. And when it comes to certain things, niggas really ain't fucking with me in certain aspects. That's just how I feel. But when it comes to an overall top five list or Mount Rushmore, it's like, Mm -hmm. cool, uh, hip-hop Twitter ran Mm -hmm. by Mm -hmm. 16-year-old white kid who didn't even grow up on rap. Like, do your thing. Mm -hmm. But I see it. But, like, man, I'm in such my own thing and just doing my own thing. What about when it comes to California, too, though? Because when people talk about California, you don't get it's really what you well. Deserve. That's interesting because 
you know, I'll see them. I'm like, damn, I don't get mentioned on the California thing, mm-hmm. but whatever. <laughs> I do I do thirty two thousand mm-hmm. in Sydney. So what's the what what's the what's the thing? Is it because I don't make the sound that sounds like California or Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. Um, how are we measuring this list based on success? Is it because the more platinum singles? Or is it this? But well, then it I'm really like, doesn't make sense in any aspect of it with you not with your name not being there because you have. But then every again, a lot of people don't even know I'm from Los Angeles because mm-hmm. I don't mirror what they perceive as the usual Los Angeles thing. I don't got a song with Dre. Mm-hmm. I don't like lowriders. Like <laughs> I don't fucking. So a lot of people don't know that at first. But not being on a list from Los Angeles or California rappers, it's like. Well, one, I that's not a personal thing I truly care about. And two, I could go outside of the country and like do this, where probably some people that's on those lists can't do that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, let me look 30,000 feet up and not worry about, not be too zoomed in. Do you feel like you don't get the recognition and flowers that you deserve for the success that you all have amassed? Um, no, because that's weird as fuck. The flowers I get is when I see my niggas doing their thing. Mm-hmm. When I'm late night at my friend's house because it's his first time on a fucking couch interview on TV. Like, that's like, that's the flower. Like, I don't need credit. Like, my, my, I think it's track six off Kingdom Come by Jay. One of my favorite lines, a song called Do You Wanna Ride? And he said, I put my niggas on, my niggas put their niggas on. Oh my gosh. I remember hearing that at age 15 and that shit just stuck with me. Probably more than a lot of shit that I've heard. There's something about that, that like, that's the real thing. Mm-hmm. That's the flowers. I don't need, I don't need fucking internet. My niggas is copping cars and flying places and doing this and that. Like, that's the flowers. Like, we're on planes, just us and the pilot. I put my niggas on, my niggas put they niggas on. What does the future hold for the group? Oh, I don't know. Like, I'm doing my thing. Mm-hmm. I might have kids in two years. <laughs> Or not. <laughs> What's your Mount Rushmore? <sighs> Pharrell, Erica Badu, Jamiroqua, Mr. Stephen Wonder. It's four niggas on the Mount Rushmore, right? Yeah. So yeah. fuck it here. My favorite rappers are Eminem, Relapsing Before. How are you guys? You guys are... Oh, bro, I don't hate that nigga, bro. Bro, that nigga said that line and all these people was mad on the internet. Like, bro, I don't give a fuck. I'm, I think I'm honored. Like, that nigga's amazing. I don't like his new shit, but, like, I learned how to rap because of that man. I've learned, so. like, what are we talking about? I would never, I, unless that nigga killed my, like, grandma. She's already dead. Like, it was, I, I love that man. I just want to take that nigga to Target and say, come on outside, brother. Um, he loves sweatsuits, by the oh, way. Oh, I mean, it's fucking gross. He dressed like he just bought a Chevy Malibu. <laughs> I love his style. Sweatsuits uh, and Air Max. I love that joke. Uh, I love that one. <laughs> Give myself a check for that one. Um, uh, Andre, uh-huh. uh, Pusha T, uh, Sean Carter, Mr. Dwayne Carter, and P. And then albums. Albums, uh, In Search of, Marshall Mathers LP, um, Hell Hath No Fury, Mama's Gun, Voodoo, Pronounced Jeanne by Jeanne. Um, 
fucking list goes on fucking in my mind. Um, list goes on. Dude. Favorite gangster uh, girls. Love Deluxe by Sade. You know my fucking favorite gangster girls. Don't be silly. It's, P- it's in my mind prequel, bro. After that, um, that case too. I mean, that? what that summer, dude? Oh six was crazy. I think TV on the radios album came. Oh six was fucking crazy. Hell of a year. Oh six was so fucking rich and vibrant and I swear it was a different yellow Kenya I don't know where the fuck you were but it was a different yellow <laughs> in the sky when the sun was out in 06 it was so fucking warm and dude we had they had next and oh rated next by next is one of my favorite albums mm. they had next room raiders random I'm naming TV shows but like imagine being 15 and you go home and like you could turn on MTV and it's these entertaining shows, but you still have music videos. I think 7 p.m. every Sunday, they had this thing called Subterranean on MTV2. I remember that. Where they would show all the rock, yep, all, all the, the indie, like all the stuff. Yeah, and yep. like, dude, I saw, I learned about Block Party from there. I learned mm. about TV on the radio, Silver Sun pickups. Like, I learned about Lily Allen from that. I learned mm. about Amy Winehouse from that. Fucking Josh Stone. I learned about so much from there and then you turn the channel and then you could go to BET and just see the illest newest rap shit and then you could go to VH1 and they still holding on to the weird classical rock and then you had BETJ where they'll play the NDRE joints and stuff like everything was so robust and vibrant and Mm. no one was really trying everyone was okay with being them and every, every channel was okay with saying, yeah, we play rock and we play rap. And everyone wasn't trying to integrate and be like, no, in exclusive, everyone is equal. Like mm-hmm. everything had its own thing. And now that's gone. You go to a rap page, they posting this and that mm-hmm. and gossip and fucking the new Rolls Royce car. And Tony from next door did this. And it's like, where do you go for specific stuff anymore? Mm-hmm. It's not ingrained in us because you got to think, bro, we don't know our history. So it's hard to respect the idea of something that I think we don't even have a reference point of knowing of from just that level. And then two, like, man, you take a photography class right now, you'll learn about every white photographer. You take a video class and they'll tell you everything about Citizen Kane and whatever the fuck director, but it's never people that look like us. We don't learn about black photographers. We learn about black art we don't learn about the black seamstress nothing you go you go to a fashion school you don't learn about a black seamstress who made this who made that da, da, da. black designers nothing so how in a world are we gonna even respect dj cool hurt motherfucking eric beat like these people who's the forefathers of this thing when we've never had a reason to really look back at our real history aside from like the idea of slavery as mm-hmm. a whole. But, like, you know what I mean? So, like, if you don't know about the photographer, when you listen to fucking Lil Uzi Vert, it's going to make you want to go back and understand what native tongues was. Mm-hmm. And then when the black dudes that actually have these these things, they just talking about if Gunna's a snitch or not. <laughs> We're not going to put no actual history on this stuff. We don't even respect the people we have now. Mm-hmm. What makes you think we're going to do that at that point? So... It's such a weird disconnect. And it's only going to get worse because you 16 and you see that and you like rap. You want to be a journalist. Well, it's either that or you got to write about the XXL freshman list. Mm-hmm. 
Like, we're in such a weird space. You won a Grammy for Igor, best rap album, and you didn't necessarily feel it was a rap album. I hate the word urban. It's just niggas saying nigger. It's yeah. just... <laughs> <laughs> Did you know you were going to go into this album even before the Grammy win? Uh, or was yeah, it- like after when I did Igor, I just was like, man, I want to just fucking bar out. I just want to bar out. I just want me and Rocky to bar out. I just want me and like, and just bar, like no concept, just like, damn, this is the life that we live in. And just talk about the awesome environment and surroundings and things that I get to do that I'm blessed and grateful and that I love. I love rap so much and I just wanted to make a full on 90% just rap project, just bragging, braggadocious. Like, this is what we really doing. This is where we're flying. This is the water we're swimming in. These are the bikes we're buying. These are the cars we're driving. You ain't seen these loafers. When did you realize you were becoming a fashion icon? Uh, I don't think... I am one at all. But 2011, when I saw overnight niggas in colorful Hawaiian shirts, cut off shorts, and like any hat with an S on it, mm-hmm. like everyone is just dressing like a tourist in Venice, California. Like it was overnight. And I was like, okay, let's switch this up. And then the hoodies and socks for the pan thing that I was doing became a thing. And then like I just noticed, like, oh, I'm doing this and then this happens. Oh, cool. All right. Whatever. Because you got to think. When we first came out, nigga, Supreme was my Louis Vuitton. Uh-huh. Supreme was the greatest thing ever. Fresh Jive, ice cream, peg leg, uh, wearing curl tap t-shirts, like Vans, like that, c- cutting dickies in the shorts, like F.A., uh, Warriors of Radnitz, like that. At that age, I rapped about that stuff like it was the greatest thing ever. And it was the greatest thing ever to me. So that spirit is the same spirit that's in Call Me If You Get Lost. Mm -hmm. I will say, I hope someone does like in 15 years, like a documentary, a 2011-2012 thing about me, Rocky, and Chief Keith. Because I think us three was a very important, prominent moment of like... You got to pick one. In 2012, the hip-hop world saw three artists blow up with their own movements and distinct styles. Chief Keef and the Drill Movement in Chicago with gritty lyrics about violent crime. ASAP Rocky and the ASAP Collective in Harlem with a Houston sound and lyrics about fashion. And Tyler and I, Future in L.A. with lyrics about pretty much everything else and a style all their own. Like, that was a wild time. Explain what Keefs was. I mean, come on. I mean, this nigga had white kids in true religions and small Montclair jackets. It's beautiful. <laughs> like, how fucking magnetic that was. Mm-hmm. But then in California, what we were doing, and then on the other side, the aesthetic and things that Rocky and them were doing, all different at once. And I'm not comparing it saying that they are the same of importance or anything, but you think of like 91, you got Tribe, Mm -hmm. then you got NWA, Mm -hmm. then you got like what Wu-Tang and them do. Like you have Mm -hmm. these, none of these are alike, but all very magnetic and heavy in what they do. And I I always thought that that was super interesting. Mm -hmm. I feature Glow Gang ASAP Mm -hmm. 
three different aesthetics, three mm. different sounds, three different everything all at once. And just existing, we were all existing at once. Didn't look the same, didn't sound the same. Like, special time, I think, uh, looking back. Ten years after tweeting, I want a Gangsta Girls tape so fucking bad, goddamn. Tyler, the creator, got just that. Our first Gangsta Girls collaboration together. The record was loaded with hard rap beats and R&B hooks and debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. It would later win the award for Best Rap Album at the 2022 Grammys. Tyler's second, my first. At what point did the idea for me to be involved come to you? Oh, that was as soon as I was like, oh, I'm a bar out. Oh, you know what? It's time. It's time. It's time to call drama. Looking back on it, to me, how would it have even made sense if I wasn't there doing it with you? Like, was there ever a moment where you really were just going to send it to me and let me just go and do my thing? No. Uh, okay. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, I don't like sending stuff because, like, shit leaks 100 people like i don't yeah. i don't fuck with the invasiveness of that yeah it's truly not fun especially when you work on something and put so much time and effort and you right. want to present it and rolled out a certain way right. comes out so i'm like yo let's just fly them out it's nothing like the human interaction mm -hmm. us actually sitting in a studio for hours and we're at a time where it's like yo i fuck with you i fuck with you too mm -hmm. you want to hop on the track yeah all right i'm gonna send it and then the label gonna send you 50 grand mm -hmm. cool and that's it. And it's like, man, y'all don't even know each other. And you putting like this man's like energy and vibrations on the, your thing. And you don't need, I don't know. Sometimes it's just weird to me. Yeah. Like, dude, me and young boy, like, man, me and that nigga got ice cream and mm -hmm. tried to go vintage car shopping <laughs> and stuff. Like, he's a sweetheart. Mm -hmm. Like, I've hung out with this nigga. And this is before he even hopped on the record. Like, that's a good dude. So just things like that are really important with me. More than any other time, I really felt like I was an instrument in your genius. And I tell people all the time, like even going in, like I would say some fly shit, but then you would tell me to say some shit, like go in and say, I'm on a boat. And I'd be like, I'm on a boat. And you'd be like, oh my God, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> nah, dude, you, it, it was so good. Again, people probably think that you just go in there and yell, but dude, drum really sits and thinks about every single line the cadence the pocket where it's going i don't Man. i didn't i didn't want to i didn't want to say um, it again please i didn't want to <laughs> intervene and feel invasive to his space so i probably have in total 14 seconds of him actually recording his parts but the few moments like if you see him in there he'll he literally tell the engineer yo could you stop the beat and he's just in there kind of just like mm -hmm. thinking and he's like yo can you just play the instrumental you just play the vocals. Can you do this? And then it takes him like seven minutes to record a few lines because he really is trying to find the best pocket and way to mm -hmm. approach it. It's mm -hmm. an art to it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people know how much thought and energy and attention uh, you put into to these to these things. Well, And I think it's great and I respect it and I love you. it. Yeah, de definitely some of your fans didn't get it. Well, again, <laughs> I have a younger fan base. That's and not familiar. I, 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 told, I, told, I told my boy Lionel, I was like, yo, when I made this, it wasn't for them. Right. Like, it's for people in my age range. Right. And when I say it's not for them, I'm not implying I'm excluding them and don't want them. Mm -hmm. I'm saying this specific thing that I'm doing is going to be very familiar to a certain group of people. Mm -hmm. And I don't expect them to fully 
get it and understand it. And mm -hmm. I expect them to say, who the fuck is this yelling? Mm -hmm. I don't expect a guy who's 30 years old, who's 27 years old to be like, well, I don't know what this is. I'm mm -hmm. Like, I know that this is for them sonically, whatever the word is. But I knew that all of them wasn't going to get it because they just grew up in a different time. Mm -hmm. So on one side, it was like, probably annoying to see what is this take this this is crazy who's this dude yelling never da, da, da. bothers never bothers me but two i thought it was great like man we doing arenas mm -hmm. and you got these kids who got put onto something new and liked it mm -hmm. and now we're all these people's motherfuckers saying yo ad libs mm -hmm. just like literally it was so great seeing this younger generation appreciate something that i grew up with there's a couple of songs where I say, call me when you get lost. And the fans were a little mad at me because they were like, this nigga's not even getting the title of the album right. But what they don't know is that somewhere along the line, the album title changed from call me when you get lost to call me if you get lost. Mm -hmm. What's the difference for you? So I was saying both. Mm -hmm. Because it just felt right. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I like if you get lost. It's hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hope. And a lot of people didn't realize what it meant. I think a lot of people thought it was like, oh, when you lost, you don't know, and you're confused and depressed and down. And I'm like, no, no, no. When you out, and I meant lost in the most positive way, when you out on your shit, doing your shit, really exploring this earth and allowing yourself to take in every fucking experience, emo uh, everything. That's when I want niggas to hit me because then I know we on the same page. Did you know that we were going to win a Grammy? No, I knew it for Igor, but for Call Me, I didn't know. And when I got the news, I was on my bike mm -hmm. riding in the outskirts of fucking Portland. It was, oh, it was so beautiful. I, I'm allergic to animal hair, so I can't be around them, but there was these really pretty cows. Animal hair in general? Yeah, like, dude, horses... It's gotten worse. Horses. What about goats? Horses, goats can't be around dogs. Even the hyperallergenic ones. It's the dander. So like, it's certain. It's certain hyperallergenic dogs I could like touch, but I have to take like a few Allegra's beforehand so it knocks it when it hits. I played with a rat a few years ago, and I love those things. But my allergies start getting crazy eight minutes in. But God's fair. Like, you can't be this talented with, like, a huge dick and tall. Something has to. Um, yeah. And, like, like God's fair. That's why I have asthma. <laughs> you didn't know we were going to win the Grammy for this. And you were in Portland. I find out um, my homie, Ronnie, at my barber, he said, yeah, nigga, congrats, bitch, or something. And I'm the service is bad. So I'm like, the fuck you talking about? And then uh, me and Travis, we was out there because he went biking with me and we find out and it's like oh shit and i'm like oh shit and then oh shit yeah so it's good to see you getting was there a point where you was like damn i didn't get the respect or love or flowers that you thought you deserved or you wanted before the last two three years um yes and it's okay yes i don't really you know i i think i thrive in that position for me, like I like being yeah. the underdog, underdog in a way. Feels good. And then when people started putting it in perspective, like, yo, this is the kid that 
did this with Tip Jeezy and Wayne. And then, you know, he signed Jack Harlow and Little Uzi and then just got a Grammy with Tyler. Like, I am the culture. You know what I mean? Like, I've been here. I'm here. I'm going to be here. Like, to where I am now. Like, stop playing with me. Like, I can yeah, finally put my balls. talk your fucking shit. I can put my balls on the table. Like, put that whole dick on the you table, You feel what nigga? I'm saying? Like, Soft, nigga. Watch, him, <laughs> watch them watch it get hard, nigga. <laughs> hey, you. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the samples on Call Me If You Get Lost. Mm -hmm. Lumberjack, you sampled the Grave Diggers. When we first came out, people were saying we were like the new Grave Diggers and horrorcore mm. and stuff, and I fucking hated it. I pressed against it so much and fuck all of it, but nigga, that beat so goddamn hard. H-Town. R&B's my number one. Like, mm. I'm a R&B soul kid. That's what I grew up on. That's my fucking soul. Beautiful chords that that beat has. I love playing it on the piano. And I have a version where I just rap over me playing that piano. I was trying to be like LL Cool J on the hook. <laughs> What's your name, girlfriend? With like that type of energy. I got you. So yeah. Yeah, round the way girl type vibes. Mm -hmm. Do you go into it like, are you just in the studio listening to records to sample from, or do is it? Well, no. Well, pop with, in your head? Again, with Call Me, I was just trying to rap over all my favorite beats, mm -hmm. like ever. So I got one over Yummy by Gwen Stefani. I got fucking, me and Rocky got one over um, Wuha by Busta. Mm. Just literally just going over just beats that just fucking, mm. so I was a kid. What about Michael Irvin? Dude, Shot I, I fucking gun. love Gun yeah. so much. Because it's just fun. It's, you got these niggas who just doing what they want to do. And I love it. They're not trying to make the hit, get a TikTok follow. Not try, this, These niggas are just making stuff they genuinely like from their soul. And they put it out. And people are responding to it like that. You had your mom, mama talks on the album. Mm-hmm. She turned, bro. Like, turned. <laughs> For real. And I... <laughs> Like, I didn't have her record that, nigga. She was just talking to her friend. I was sitting in my car, and her her and her friend was outside my car talking. We was out there for like 25 minutes. And she's just talking. I'm like, man, oh, I got to record this. And she was saying some shit. My son needs to record me big bitch's ass. Facts. I didn't give a fuck. I, I bossed up on teachers, principals, mamas, kids. I didn't give a fuck. Am I lying? You have no reason to. No. You fuck with my kids. I'll beat up kids over my kids. Okay? This little boy used to run. He was scared. I said, go get your bitch-ass mama. So, like, when I won that Grammy on stage, like, you saw her. Like, uh -huh. I didn't even know she was going to pop up there. Uh -huh. But she she was up there, like, just so proud because she had a real different life. So, yeah. That's fire. When I got my first roles, like, dude, mm -hmm. my mom was in tears. Mm -hmm. Like, truly in tears. I didn't tell her. I just pulled her to the house. She was like, whose car is this? Mm -hmm. And she thought it was a prank. She's like, this is yours? And I'm like, yeah. And she she opened the door and she sat down and she started bawling and crying. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, nigga? Like, <laughs> did the dog die? I'm like, where's the dog? <laughs> She's like, no. She, I just never thought where I come from, how I grew up, my life, that I would ever be able to not only see something like this, but, but like my spawn, right. my child yeah. has this. And it's funny when you get older and you start seeing your parents less as parents and like as humans mm -hmm. and people and it's like oh you're a person that's still really figuring this shit out mm -hmm. um where are you going now 
because of Call Me If You Get Lost? Oh, I'm not big on announcing or telling people things before it's done. Mm-hmm. Like, I fucking hate snippet culture. That's why I hate leaks. I, I don't like none of it. And when I'm done and ready to roll out or let y'all know about my next thing, like, that's when it's ready. Because we as humans, we could change our mind. And then we as humans also get excited. And then we as humans dive deep into wormholes and then set expectations. Mm-hmm. And then is that when people get disappointed or something, they're blinding themselves to receive or enjoy something that's right there that they might love because they're so stuck on a previous thought or idea of what something should be. So I don't like to announce, oh, I'm doing this next or this is coming next. Da, 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 da. Um, so then when what I actually put out may be different, motherfuckers aren't looking at that in a negative way because not because they dislike it, but they didn't get what they want. And it won't allow them to fully understand or accept what that is. So I always just shut the fuck up for like a year and a half and then just pop out wearing a wig and should all we, right, I'm a moonwalk. Should we expect a new alter ego? I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> with my life. I truly don't. I truly don't. Tyler, thank you. Um, it's been amazing. I You're love a great you. man. I appreciate that. You're it was, great. It was an honor to have made history with you. We did, um, man. We took a we took that gold bitch home for real. Yeah. And wasn't even there. Wish we was there. But it's kind of fly that like you was on stage with Tip and Jeezy and Wayne and I'm fucking on a bike talking to cows mm-hmm. and we get the damn call that we run won a Grammy. And it's truly beautiful that 17 years later you're on that stage being rewarded for what you just felt you were supposed to do and wanted to do at that time when you did it. And me, I have the option. I I get to ride my bike and talk to animals in fucking the outskirts of Portland all because of rap music. Like, that's truly Mm -hmm. amazing. It's amazing. Like, truly, truly amazing that we get to change our family's lives mm-hmm. and people around us and experience things because of this thing that we can't touch that mm-hmm. was made from the spirits of people before us. I think it's, it's fucking amazing and I'm grateful. And, you know, that's what that album was. It was very braggadocious, but I'm just so grateful like that I get to talk about the things I get to talk about and experience and swim in this water and drive these cars and do this because... Taking that 212 through Hawthorne, through Inglewood was not fun. And I know what it feels like. So I'm grateful every time I start one of my cars, for real. Can, can you know where niggas come from? Like, it's different. Some motherfuckers <laughs> like, really be born with uh, a map, like truly a map to move through life and are just supposed to do what they're supposed to do. Like, nigga, LeBron was going to be LeBron no matter what. Even if the nigga didn't do basketball, if that nigga was making small sandwiches, I'm telling you, the nigga was going to be the LeBron of making small sandwiches. (laughs) And I tell niggas, bro, like, again, I'm so grateful and happy and blessed where I'm at. But, like, I knew as a kid, like, it was going to be turnt. I I hosted my kindergarten graduation. You could see me. I was going to be on a mic entertaining people in some way. And I think you knew. At some point, you was going to be straight. Mm-hmm. And we all got our toes up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> <laughs>
This has been an Audible Original, produced by Colabo Inc. Society, hosted by DJ Drama, featuring Tyler the Creator, executive produced by Kenya Barris, DJ Drama, Wheezy WTF, Layton Lakeshow Marson, Audible Executive Producer, Joshua Poole, produced by Roy Farrell, Kristen Alcala, Consulting Producer, Jamie Nelson, Production was engineered by Alex Anderson and WTF Media Studios, Sound Design and Mixing, Michael Bellavo, Edited by... Alex Anderson of WTF Media Studios. Edited by Jamie Nelson. Written by Dustin Smith, F.A. Ilgai, and Damilare Sunoiki. Original music by Don Cannon. Researched by Dustin Smith. Talent booking by Marquetta Moore. Production lawyer, Eric Spiegelman. Production accountant, Kristen Johnson. Production assistants, Devin Kruger, Victoria Larte, Tiana Johnson. Head of Audible Studios, Zola Mashariki. Executive Vice President, Head of U.S. Content, Rachel Giazza. Copyright 2023 by Calabo Productions, Inc. Sound recording copyright 2023 by Audible Originals, LLC.